Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is gonna be good. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. We just had to restart because Sims cursed and Josh got upset. Oh, Didn't like it. We've never heard that word on the internet before. Uh, we have, but we can't do it in the first three words of the podcast. Killer yeah. cam, killer cam, cam, uh, killer cam, killer cam. And I'm not allowed to give the Jersey State bird to the listeners no. out there? No, you cannot. Wow. That's not a, allowed. That's a shame. Don't change the channel. <laughs> Stay on Sims and Lefko. Uh, end of the episode. A nice 20 minute, 25 minute conversation with killer cam, cam, oh, killer cam. cam. Our senior NBA lead analyst. Is that nice? Yeah. A senior lead NBA analyst. Is One of those two. Cameron is back. Uh, Sims asked him a bunch of really enjoyable questions I thought about. Did I? Is it. Do you like having women and, and marijuana in the studio? I love. I never thought about that. And then we talked about the NBA Finals. Uh, little little warning though. I did say that the Warriors uh, Rockets game felt inevitable, and then the Rockets won last night. I, I mean, I know. I'm happy. Hey, me too. I'm happy. It gives me hope. I fell asleep at the end. I missed the end. I couldn't believe wow. it. I know. It's the second time this year that's happened to me. Happened to me in the national championship game, too. Man. I woke up and Nick Saban was running off the field. With that's his. why you got to have the BR app where all the highlights are in case you fall asleep for the oh, end of the well, game. Yes, that's how I nice caught up. Yeah. Did you like that that's promise? That's really good. Things. Yes. Smooth. Um, so we good ha- evening, So that's coming up at the end. Josh is back. Uh, we did not announce what our mascot battle was going to be, but we figured it out over text today. Yes, you are going to be at the end of the po- or in the middle when we talk to Phil Sims, a Panther. Yes, and I'm a Jaguar. Yeah, and I'm quite excited. Uh. I think it's uh, rather interesting that last week's defending champion was not invited back to defend his title that for this week's pity. battle. That's pity. okay. It was a pity party. You're a DH. I'm happy to retire. You undefeated. don't show up that's on fine. Mondays. You're not a regular on Wednesday mascot battle. There wasn't a sure. third cat to really go along no on this. We're getting closer to being a tag team. Like, you haven't picked the tag team yet, but that one's going to be great. So you might have to pick a partner. It might be you and your dad versus me and Josh. Oh, and we'll we see have what to happens. do something. That. Okay, okay. Uh, first thing, uh, Lil Wayne Carter blew up. Yeah. Uh, did we talk about this on Monday, I Kyle's don't think reaction? We, I don't think we really, I don't even know if we did. I don't did think we? so. 
No. How no. did Kyle react to seeing tattoos and an earring on his face? Uh, and every like, do the, is he like, yo, Sims? The players think I'm cooler now. He, I mean, he's he's woke to the internet. <laughs> I think that I, that's the first thing I is he like you a little bit? Yes, very much. So, so. he's not on Twitter or Instagram or no. Any? The only thing he does techno- technologically sound is drive a Tesla, uh, and then in that Tesla, it's got that's where he listens to us or maybe other people or any podcast that may be. Yeah. He's, I've seen the inside setup of that, okay. so it's pretty cool. But no, everything else, I think he's pretty clueless as far as technology so is concerned. So he just, his phone started blowing up? He was blowing up, and he and he sent me the picture of the tattoos on his yeah. face, which I wanted to be like, I sent that picture to your wife, that's why you have that picture, <laughs> but thank you for resending that to me. <laughs> and uh, his, his big thing was, what was the statement he said? It was hilarious. He was like, this is the first week I understand social media. He's really? like, I've never Welcome understood. to the party, Kyle. I've never understood the power of it. He's like, but between the 50 cent thing that he was a part yes. of, and then that being, and what, how it blew up, all yeah. of that. I think his wife was the one that was like... Yeah, how did she feel? Because I'm sure that to a lot of people, she didn't admit that Lil Wayne was the reason that their kid's name was Carter. No, he. She. <laughs> the, first, the first thing she sent to me was... Blonde woman emoji with hand over her eyes, like about the cut we had released on social media. So she was like, and I was like, I'm sorry. I was like, I hope you're not mad at this or anything like that. Yeah. I was like, but I think this is really good for Kyle too. It's going to humanize him or something like that. And yeah. She's like, oh no, it's fine. This is great. It's all true. And she was like, especially about the part of the ADD DJ, you know, because he that's the way he is. I listen to this. Song. I listen to this song. And we listen to it for 20 seconds and he changes it. Man, yeah. So I love it. It's we're, cool, we're, Kyle. Favorite coach in Our the favorite NFL. Coach, yes. uh, coaches, owners, teams, they're going to have a lot. Oh, yes. Pat them down. You. Pat them down. It's like, uh, you know what we need to do? You're I'm like sweaty. Patrick Ewing in 1994. Super sweaty. Oh, my gosh. He was like famous for sweating. It's not that hot in here, Woody. It's like 69, and he's sweating like I just did he's ass about to get a drug month, test. So I've been yelling and walking around for like the last 30 <laughs> Oh, minutes. that was it. You know who else is sweating? What? The owners. Because this new <laughs> anthem policy is going to fall right in their laps. It I hope just so. came out. We're doing this Wednesday afternoon. It just came out. And Fendrick, I'm curious, can you run through the new policy for the anthem for the NFL? Yep, so I have the policy statement that you sent me earlier with the six bullet points on what the owners have agreed on. So I'll just go through these one by one, starting with the first one. All team and league personnel on the field shall stand and show respect for the flag and the anthem. All right, so that's pretty simple. If you're on the field, the NFL is now requiring you to stand. Yes. To the game operations manual will be revised to remove the requirement that all players be on the field for the anthem. And that was installed because they had made a deal with all the military to to prominently feature the players. Now they're saying, if you don't want to stand... Go into the right. When room. I grew up watching my dad play in those games, there was very there was a lot of times where they weren't on the sidelines during the national anthem. They ran out after that, and now so it's a part of now the game. It's part of the game. Be right, of the because game. we got to have jets fly over, and we got to yes. have a flag that's a hundred yards long, yes. and all those things. Yes. Number three, personnel who choose not to stand for the anthem may stay in a locker room or in a similar location off the field until after the anthem has been performed. Self-explanatory. Four, a club will be fined by the league if its personnel are on the field and do not stand and show respect for the flag and the anthem. So, so again, a club will be fined by the league. That is interesting to me. We'll, we'll get to that at the end. Keep yeah. going. Number five, each club may develop its own work rules consistent with the above principles regarding its personnel who do not stand and show respect for the flag and the anthem. Okay. And number six, the commissioner will approve, 
uh, impose appropriate discipline on league personnel who do not stand and show respect for the flag and the anthem. And oh, so that's where... To me, that's that's league. where it gets taken out of the team fine thing again. It goes back to the player. Read that last statement again. No, because I don't think they're talking about players there. I think they're that's talking on about league personnel. League okay. personnel. Okay. Like if a referee yes. took a knee. Right. All right. Yes, you're right. Anybody employed by the NFL league office. Right. Okay. Go yep. ahead. So those, so are, those are the six that's points. It. So let me hear your take on it all that Sims. <sighs> Oof. Gosh. Should I go first? I mean, I, I, I'll, let's just uh, let's talk about it. I don't yeah. even know. I don't think I've wrapped my head around it. I mean, uh, I don't like it, first of all, from the aspect of how do you not involve the players in the conversation, the people that are being most directly affected, the people who have the families that have had to deal with these social injustices. Again, they're just going to handicap them without ever discussing it with the NFLPA. It's set, they presented it like it was an agreement, and then the NFLPA came out and said, we were never contacted. So the statement from George Chitala, on behalf of the NFLPA, quote, we, uh, we were not consulted ahead of this meeting on any potential changes to the anthem policy. If there are changes to the policy that put the players in a position where they could be disciplined or fined, we are going to do what we always do, fight anything that encroaches on players' rights to the end. So the discipline and fine part there... So they're basically what they're hoping the teams are going to discipline That's, and find the players. That to me is the big change. Right. The big change is that now it's not going to be on Goodell. Yes. It's going to be on the individual owners to figure out what the discipline will be. Yes. Let me go through my big takeaways here. Mm-hmm. First thing I thought, Lefko conspiracy. NFL's adding another thing that will be hotly debated in the CBA agreement in 2021 to distract the players from trying to from get, get more the money. ultimate goal. Exactly right. So we'll, that was the we'll first thing. We'll let you kneel for the anthem if you take 900 million less. Second thing I thought was okay, let me try and understand where the NFL is coming from. Roger Goodell got thrown into the fire against the president of the United States and had to come up with a solution. And on its face, It makes sense to me. Your issue, and I think what a lot of people's issue is, they should be able to do whatever they want. But Roger Goodell's trying to run a billion-dollar business. I get that. And he goes, if you want to protest, stay inside. But we're telling you that you have to stand. And from just a business perspective, I do get it. I do, too. Now, this is where it gets very dicey. Mm -hmm. Because every cause has an effect. And my issue here is this. When a player is kneeling on the field, they are surrounded by 60 or 52 other players and coaching staff, and they are separated from the field and from the fans. And when it is over, they are protected. Now, the visual that we will focus on as football fans is a camera directed at the tunnel who didn't want to come out. Before it was, we can focus on the kneelers, but they're kind of protected. The closest that a player is to a fan is when they're going through the tunnel. Mm -hmm. So now when like the Michael Bennett's of the world and all those guys are coming through the tunnel, they're going to be surrounded by all of the fans. And now it will be a delayed boo and reaction to them. That was the first thing I thought of. That will be the image of week one will be which players are coming out of the tunnel. I don't think that's going to ever happen, though. What do you mean? I, don't, I just don't think it's ever going to be segmented like that. You're either going to see like a team that's out there for the anthem and they're all standing, or there's going to be like if the team I think gets the sense that okay, we have like 20 guys that might not come out, and then that the other 40 guys are going to go out there. I think they're going to realize that's not going to look good. It's going to cause controversy, and, and I think coaches are just going to go. We're, gonna, we're not coming out. What happens to the guys that say I want to be out there? 
I know. The Alejandro Villanueva. I don't know, but they're, they, you're because right. Because this is the I problem. This yes. is the problem when you decide to take a side on this. You're alienating somebody, no matter what side. If you stand for the, just everybody stay inside, you're alienating the people that want to be patriotic and go out there, no matter if they but support like, it or not. I, I guess what I want to say is, like, like I don't They've know. actually put a magnifying glass on this. I know. Like, why, 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 why do you have to feel like you have to be out there? But okay, okay, I get it. I mean, I, I'm like, a patriot. I'm all for the country. I learned this. I learned this from All or Nothing. Yes. Your former quarterback in the Tampa Bay Bucks organization, Jason Garrett. Mm-hmm. He said, "The way that I've always done it, the way that I've been taught, the way that I teach is your toes are on that white line and you stand for that flag." Mm-hmm. The NFL is very military based. Yes. They come with a strong American history like tradition. Right. And. They, I don't, it's just clear to me. The people that want people to stand do not understand why people are kneeling, and the people that are kneeling do not understand why people are so attached to this. The anthem. people that, the first group of people you said that, how'd you phrase that? The people that don't understand why people are kneeling? Yeah, they, they, they yeah, the, that group right there, yeah, they're uninformed. They're clueless. I don't know what to tell them. They're not, they're not kneeling for disrespect to the country. They're kneeling for the same thing that's going on again this offseason that's going on last offseason, which is, you know, uh, social injustices of people being wrongly arrested once again cases all throughout the news all over the country that's why they're kneeling but this certain group of our country has made it oh it's all about disrespect of our country when I, I don't know I've been at other sporting events whether it's Mr. Trump's NASCAR or not I've seen very disrespectful people drinking beers why the national anthem is going on or not paying attention so I just I'm sick of the double standard there, I understand I that's what I say. the thing that I think that this is really creating though other than attention on the tunnel is it's taking the ball out of it's changing the battle from commissioner and player mm-hmm. and it's making it owner and player and I've always been told the reason Roger Goodell is paid $50 million a year is because he's supposed to take the brunt of public consciousness sure. instead of the owners. He's supposed to protect them. We are going to learn a lot about these owners. We've learned a lot about these owners these last few months. Remember, I tracked every public reaction by every owner, and people like Bob McNair compared to somebody like Jeff Lurie, we saw where they stood. Jed York was very for the players. The Cincinnati Browns and Mr. Browns, Cincinnati Bengals and Mr. Brown said, get out there and stand. So um, we're going to learn a lot more about the owners, and I don't think the owners are as public savvy as the commissioner and these owners it's funny we talk about how the players are replaceable I'm starting to believe that these owners are very replaceable, too. Oh, what do you mean? Just another rich white man with a bunch of zeros on their bank account? I think that there are I think there are more I think there are just as many, if not more people with three commas in their bank account than there are superstars in the NFL. I think it's harder to find a superstar NFL player than it is to find a billionaire. When Donald Sterling went down, they had owners clamoring to get it. Mm-hmm. Carolina Panthers, everybody's coming out of the woodwork right, to get a team. Right. So I think that we could see the owners truly start revealing their identities, and it could cost them a lot of money in the long run to their own personal businesses and the teams. 
And people like Bob McNair, I wonder if it starts impacting free agencies. I, I know. But the only problem is, is there's only so much money to go around. No, I yeah, people don't want to play for Bob McNair. You know, I, I like I've told you, people are disappointed in New England about Belichick and his stance there with those things. But there's going to be no choice for the players. That's that's what happens in the NFL. They have no choice. There's yeah. only 32 teams. There's only so many safety positions and tackle positions right. and quarterback positions. Right. And if guys want to get paid or make money, again, I think this is the other thing too. The national anthem issue, the kneeling. It's not the players are not going to win that battle. As much as I think it's you know it's for the right cause, and we all know what it. It's four. It's not going to win in the court of public opinion. Not right now in this day and age with the state of our country and our president and the way he is. And I just think that's why I don't even I, I hate the fact that they're doing this because they don't talk to the players. But like I said last year, the kneeling has to stop. It has to. I if I'm really going to call myself the players podcast and we're for the players as much as I know uh, the fight is real, and we want to continue to fight for this. I think at the same time, um, it's detracting, it's from, detracting the real message. from the real message, and it's really only going to get make it more divided, and it's going to hurt the sport, which is going to hurt the players' bank accounts and things like that. And that's where I get worried about. I think that there are a few teams where we're going to learn a lot, like mm-hmm. a team like the Texans. We're going to learn about the relationship between owner and the players, and really if the players can take a stand against the money and all that. Mm-hmm. The other team, though, is the Eagles. Yeah, and Josh actually had a pretty good theory about this. What were you telling me outside? I just said that if the if it's on the uh, owner. League to find the team if their players are out on the field and not standing for the national anthem, then an owner like Jeffrey Lurie could just stand up and say, Players, do whatever you want. Sure. I got your back. Find me, and I'll pay for it. Right. And, and now, now, and now, it becomes an NFL versus the owner thing. Right. And what Where, is the? Do we know the fine standards? We don't know the yet? fine. That's what Adam was saying before. Does it's one uh, lump sum if right. ten people sit? Does it meal? escalate? Does it if escalate you continue? with each guy? Will it, it be? Because if, if Roger Goodell starts punishing the owners. Remember, when Roger Goodell first started, one of the knocks against him was, your punishments seem arbitrary. It's still a knock against mm-hmm. him. You give two games here, you give eight games there, it doesn't make sense. But the owners are kind of okay because it's their players. When it's them, remember, they elect Roger Goodell. I think Roger is being put into a really tough spot mm-hmm. now. It's it's a lot like our government. He wants it to be federal, and now it's going to the states. And when you start having to punish the states, when you have to start punishing the owners, your relationship will start to get frayed. We are not going to know the true impact of this until the preseason and until week one and then two. But what's interesting now is... I don't know. The, what choice do the players have? I just I don't I don't know what they're going to be able to stay go inside here. or to go outside. And the guess. ones that really want to make a message, whether that's Michael Thomas, the safety that was on the Dolphins, we don't know if Eric Reed's going to get a team. Kaepernick, we'll see right. how far they want to go. Michael Bennett, Chris Long. Remember, Malcolm Jenkins had the fist up in the air. They want to fight for something. We're the players podcast, and we support them. It's just very interesting to me that this is truly an epidemic. Not an epidemic. This is going to be a situation that is exacerbated because of the media. When the cameras are on the tunnel, when the camera, we are the ones that are making this a conversation. Yeah. And the eyes will be on that. And we're going to judge on how it goes. I know. I know. But the, see, the conversation was going somewhere again I'm, I, until Mr. President got involved. I'm just saying it was going somewhere. It was dying out. It was not an ob, su, a subject until he got involved. And 
Gosh, oh yeah, that's that's it. That's what he does. So one guy that has supported Trump is Robert Kraft, and you texted me and said, you see Robert Kraft's comments about Tom Brady, it's clear that he's been talking to Tom Brady. Right. He came out and kind of said, guys, don't worry, uh, said that Brady will be back in minicamp in June, and you went... So Kraft and Brady are talking. Yeah, they're talking. So my conspiracy theory may be right. I, yeah, yeah, I, I think you're, there's a lot of things that are probably right in your conspiracy theory. Yeah, I that, that t- Bill Belichick said, Robert, I want to move on to Garoppolo. Yes. And then Kraft said, so Brady boy, right. he's going to move on to Garoppolo. You're so cute, Tommy. But yeah, I, I mean, that's the story. Again, that's the story I get in New England. I haven't got like, all the facts, all that. But the thing I continue to hear is that, yeah, basically that I think Belichick thought Garoppolo for the future. Let's see if we can make Brady, this be the last year for Brady. Uh, Brady got wind of that, and that's where Garoppolo got, ended up getting pushed out of the building. But yeah, what that showed me today is there's no communication going on between probably Bill and Tom here. Mm. Tom, Tom, Mr. Kraft is reaching out to Tom to go, what are you going to do this OTAs? When are you going to come around? Oh, the mandatory minicamp that's mandatory. I'll be there for that. It is a big deal. I mean, it's New England. They want their guys there. We know that. They're machines. Everything's detailed. This is making me have but, sympathy for Belichick. Mm. I can't imagine being the middleman between the star quarterback and the owner. And, I mean, Belichick's kind of being rendered powerless in this entire situation. he is. is. Here's a guy that had complete control over who was on the team and how they played and what position. And now he's being undermined at his star position. I mean, the fame of their relationship is the local high school quarterback could throw that, Tom. And that's how he was able to rule with an iron fist and everyone listened. And he's kind of been emasculated by his own owner here. Yeah, I, I agreed, but it's it's the way it's like what Jonathan Kraft came out last year. You know, not long after the Garoppolo trade, right? What was his comment? Tom Brady's earned the right to stay here as long as he wants. Bill Belichick probably doesn't look at it that way. He's running a performance based business. That's I want to win every year, and he's going. Oh, okay. So he's we're gonna have Brady until he's forty-seven, and he's like a in a wheelchair, and we're just gonna oh, he's, he deserves it. He did so much for us. No, he's thinking about the future and the betterment yeah. of the franchise, and that's why he wants to make those cutthroat decisions, which what you have to do in every business. And I, I would ask people out there that are siding with Brady and Kraft one question: mm-hmm. Who is gonna act out of emotion first, Kraft, Brady? Or Belichick. Not Belichick. Not Belichick. He's three. And my question for everyone out there is, are businesses better when you act with emotion or with fact? With fact. The Patriots empire is crumbling because of emotion. And the only emotion I see is this father-son weird relationship between Kraft and Brady. I will side with Belichick until everything ends. I mean, Brady's He's the not, best coach we've ever seen. Yes, he We is. got an in their prime, by the way. Yeah. I saw this on, like, Reddit, right. on our Reddit page. In their prime. Vince Lombardi, Bill Belichick. Yeah, I mean, Why don't we ask Phil Sims? Sure. Why don't we call Phil? But Get I him on the horn. What's your take? I mean, to me, it's Bill all the way. Really? All the way. It's hard because it's like, how do you compare Johnny Unitas and right. Peyton Manning? Right. I know. I get that. I, I, it is hard. Uh, but I just think... The league has become bigger business. There's more players involved. There's more college football involved. The rules are set up for it to all be even, and he just continues to dominate. I mean, obviously, Lombardi's a a huge deal, and the man, I know that, but I just think with all the different elements that are involved in this game today, uh, man, I just... And the rules being set up for... We want things to be even, and we want different teams in the Super Bowl, and yet one team is always in it. I got to give him the ultimate respect. Big Phil Sims. Well, 
Let's see what time it is. Oh, you guys are almost on time. Only 10 minutes late. Only 10 minutes late. That's awesome. Hey, uh, hey, future Hall of Famer Big Phil, I have a question for you. And what is that question there, Mr. Adam Lepko? In their prime, better coach, Vince Lombardi or Bill Belichick? Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Uh, Bill Belichick. Nice. So you agree with your son? Yes. Even though... Well, you know, they both have one thing in common. They were both uh, tremendous innovators. In other words, they stayed a step ahead of everybody else. Yes. And Vince Lombardi did it with training, the way he treated players, the way he broke down plays that where the NFL wasn't really doing that at the, at the time when he, he was having great success in Green Bay. Did you know these things? I did, yes, I did. Because yeah, I did. I mean, this is your son speaking. I mean, you know me. I've watched nine million New York, the history of the New York Giants, and things like that. And that's where the fifty Giants were really good because guys like Landry and Lombardi, who were the offenses and defensive coordinators, were uh, watching film and doing in-depth analysis uh, before the rest of the league. So yes, I did know oh, that. Very, very good. Take that, that is film. the answer. He, hey. Whatever the contest is today, Adam, Christopher's going to win. So that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go, loses again. Yo, you're the most biased no, listen, judge here's ever. What it is too. Right. Here's what it is. What? Is that the coaches would say, here's the play, and you block this guy. And, well, Coach, what if the guy lines up and he's not there? Well, don't worry. He'll line up right here. And so the, the guy you block, if you're the tackle, could be over the center – but you'd have to somehow have to get over there and still block you. And Vince Lombardi kind of started saying, hey, let's have the lineman talk, change the play, you do this, I do your job. And that's really the uh, essence of the greatness of the Green Bay Sweep that right. we heard so much about, that they blocked it a hundred different ways, even though everybody said, oh, there's the famous Green Bay Sweep. Mm. But what they did with it was so, like you said, uh, analytical or whatever or so smart and so compromising that it led them to many titles under Vince Lombardi. Dad, I I don't think I've ever asked you this question. When you were playing in the – I mean, I know your coach was awesome, and we know Bill – I mean, Bill Parcell was the man. I'm just saying, but out of the guys you played against in football, who do you think was the most innovative guy you went against in your career in the 79 through 93? Oh, that's easy. I mean, there was two, of course. Guys, you know – I've always kind of wanted to do this because, you know, I'm always talking about sports and this, and people at CBS that I used to work with, he goes, man, we should do a show on your, you know, and it's like, so to answer your question, without a doubt, Buddy Ryan. Okay. Really? I thought you were going to say I was not Walsh. expecting that. Okay, go ahead. Well, no, because I faced, had to face Buddy Ryan's defense and going, oh, my God. So every rule that you had as an offense in the NFL, you know, it nothing held up mm-hmm. against the Chicago Bears defense because of the way they lined up and the positions they were in. And, of course, they had great talent. But, yes, they had great talent, but they had a great scheme. And it's unbelievable they just won one Super Bowl with what they did, what they had and what they did. Right. So that's one thing. But the other one, of course, is – and people debate this, and I think even Bill Belichick gave me a sermon on it, uh, you know, about the West Coast offense and Bill Walsh saying, you know, Let's throw the swing pass to the running back instead of handing it off and going on a sweep right. and make it easier. So his philosophy 
on the pass game and all that, I think to this day, you know, we still see a lot of the signs of it, just like Buddy Ryan's defense to a degree is still in the league. Uh, not the same, but, you know, you know, just to talk about Bill Walsh. Yeah. I worked out, you know, you've heard the story, Christopher, when I was in college, I don't know how many teams I had come down to Morehead State work me on. I'm going to say 20. Right. And everybody said the same thing. Every coach, get a lot of receivers. How do you want, what do you want me to do, coach? Throw it as hard as you can. Just throw it. We want to see you throw it. Okay, I can do that. I'll just throw it. And, you know, the poor guys, I'm just beating them up. They're running curl routes. I'm smashing them in the head with the football because I'm throwing it so hard. And then Bill Walsh comes in, and he's wearing a white sweatsuit. And, you know, you can see his finger under his chin, how he would stand. Yeah, right. And I'm back there dropping back, throwing bullets. He goes, no, 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 don't do that. Do this. You know, be more this. He goes, be more graceful. Throw it softer. And he's doing this voice like, Throw it softer. Then he goes, come on, try to be pretty. And I'm just going, yeah. what is wrong with this dude? <laughs> and, but as the workout progresses, I really get the hang of it. And, I mean, I'm throwing the ball, and he goes, oh, that's so pretty. Oh, beautiful, pretty. And then we get done with the workout, and he says to me, all right, we're going to draft you, and you're going to lead the NFL in passing as a rookie next year. And once we draft you, I want you in San Francisco the following day because we're going to get the work of making you the leading passer in football your rookie year. And I guess I must have made a face. And he goes, you don't believe me? And then I said, oh, yeah, no, I believe you. And then he went, he rattles off like six quarterbacks that led their Guy Benjamin, whoever else. Uh, there was a Steve Dills at Stanford. I think they led the nation in passing. Uh, he had, of course, Ken Anderson, Virgil Carter, Greg Cook. Virgil Carter couldn't throw it 15 feet, and he was like the leading passer in the NFL because they designed this offense. Well, if you can't throw it deep, we'll throw it short. Right. And so those are two guys that really come to my mind. That, and of course, what's the other great innovator or the guy that changed the NFL? I was going to thought. I thought you were going to say Joe Gibbs, but. Well, Joe Gibbs did a lot of great things, but. And, you know, even on defense, they were kind of crazy with Richie Pettibone. Right. But the movement, the shifting, all that was one thing. But, of course, Lawrence Taylor changed pro football, too. He That's another one. Right. That, Be- that the extra tight end on the line of scrimmage so they could give the, 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 the tackle a little more help to block Lawrence one-on-one. Well, it used to be, oh, and linebacker, the guard would pull out and block the linebacker. Right. That's how everybody did it. Right. And all of a sudden – the guard pulls out, and Lawrence has already run by him and killed the quarterback. And it took a while for everybody to adjust to it. They, oh, the old, oh, let's slide out and let the tackle take him and the guard, yeah. you know, so on. So that was, those are some that just jump off the Vince Lombardi, Buddy Ryan, Bill Walsh, Lawrence Taylor. I'm missing one that I always talked about. I can't think of it right Probably now. Probably Belichick. But those are some good ones. Yeah. Phil, I have a uh, scouting report for you. So we had our uh, our good friend, an NBA analyst, uh, Cameron, come in yesterday. Uh, great rapper uh, from the New York, New Jersey area. And he right. faced Fendrick in ping pong, and he, and Fendrick beat him in three sets. Uh, and Fendrick intimidated him by bringing out his own paddle. And I just want to give you that information. 
Oh, that's interesting. What do you mean he beat him, beat him in three sets? Three uh, games? It was, I mean, it was nothing special. I mean, Fendrick, I'm not trying to play down his skills. He has skills. He's going to be a good match for you. Uh, but Cameron was like, you know, it was like summer league basketball. It wasn't really a legit matchup. <laughs> you know, I saw my ping pong table in the basement. It was folded up. I said, you know, I might have to unfold that thing and start working. But yeah, dust it off a little bit. Uh, dust yeah. it off a little bit. Clean it up. But I do have my own panel, and uh, and I just found it in the closet. In fact, I have about four of them that are all perfect. So, and you know, I, I got to get sharp because I got to keep my streak going against at least my children, where they can't beat me. So, Phil, we'll do you see. play with us? Maybe this weekend, Memorial you, Day weekend. Yeah. Do you play with a sponge paddle or pips? <laughs> What that? Mean. He, likes, that? he you play with sponge or pips? Does your paddle have the little dots on it, or is it just one flat? No, no, sponge. Okay. Sponge, sponge. Oh my god! Come on, come on! Yeah, you can hit it ten times harder with the sponge paddle. Right. Okay. Uh, 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 you're uh, that uh, knows uh, what he's uh, talking uh, about. You can put more. Phil, you can put more English on it, and you can just turn it over and flam it at will. That's what's great about it. Yeah. Phil, we had uh, somebody we had somebody reach out to the podcast and say that them and 10 other friends from London want to fly in for the draft party that's going to be at your house <laughs> and everyone everyone is asking if before we do the draft party if the undercard could be Phil versus Josh in ping pong. Well, it, it sounds like a good thing. You're putting a little pressure on me at this draft party. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you think? I'm trying to. I got Don't a lot worry. Right now. We'll I get, have, we'll I get have, three. I have three caterers. Over, we'll plan the draft party. We'll see if it can work. Okay. Don't right. worry. It's going to happen. It's yeah. going to be great. All right. You ready? So today's <laughs> battle, Phil. Your son is going to be a Panther, and I'm going to be a Jaguar, since you've already shown your cards and given the win to, to Chris. No, no, no. You no, no, must you're have going felt. first. You're going first. All right, Phil. <laughs> I am a Jaguar, <laughs> Phil. Uh, you know, hey, you know why? You know that was you. Was that you, Adam? Yes, yeah. it was. Doing that. I mean, do you do you do you do that like with your girlfriend? Do you growl? Is that what? You, is that what? Is that how you do it, so well? <laughs> Phil? I'm not going to give you, you a scouting it? report on that. <clears throat> no. Hey, honey. <sighs> oh yeah. Oh man. I tell you. Wait, I Phil. Could you could you do that one more time? Phil, could you do that one more time? No, I can't. I'm sure it really works well when you do it. All right, so I, I'd like to state for the for the court here and for you, Honorable Phil Sims, that jaguars are the third largest cats after tigers and lions, weighing up to 350 pounds. I know that the Sims right. like size. Uh, they are considerably more muscular and strong, uh, whereas other cats weigh up to like 200. They're at 350. Uh, Jaguars are incredible swimmers, so if my opponent here tries to go on land or on sea, I am fine. And Jaguars are famous for hunting solo. Pound to bound, pound to pound, a Jaguar will kill anything that moves. They have a better bite force than any other cat, as well as any other mammal. I have a little bit more argument, but I'd like to turn it over to Chris. I just wanted to give you an appetizer. What is Jaguar. It? Yeah, it was good. It was good. What yeah, because I, I sometimes go too long, so I'm going to slow down. Oh, why? So you can no, second? No, not you. So, so you, you, so you can one-up no, me on. to end this? Why don't you try and go, Mr. Panther? I mean, that's some that's a BS move. First of all, I'm a Panther. I'm a black Panther. Have you seen the Carolina Panthers thing no on there? No reason he's, to bring race into Well, this. no, he's just black. I'm just stating the color of him. Okay. And I'm the same animal as you, actually. We are. I know, but I'm all over the world. 
I'm in South America, and then I'm also in Africa and Asia. So I'm just you're. I'm a little more well traveled and smarter than you. I can survive on different continents. You're only in that little South America corner. Sorry, I can swim too. I can climb trees. Our measurables are all the same. I'm just a smarter animal so altogether. Phil, no, I, no, you had your turn. Shut your big mouth. You're gonna so. You're the same animal. First of all, I'm way smarter. There's no jaguars You're in forgetting Florida. There's that no you jaguars are the same animal as me. You are the square to my rectangle. A panther is a jaguar. The jaguar is the cat. And a leopard. No, you're for, you're messing this up. No, jaguars are all of the animals. A panther is just one type. So technically, I'm all of the animal. I'm all over the world. You're regional. You are the square to my rectangle. Not every square is a rectangle. You are jaguars a piece are of only me. in South America. Jaguars are all of them. Panthers are the one that are regional. You're, Thank you for being a part of my animal okay. kingdom. I'm not no, even no, done yet. Get, I didn't even finish yet. No, I did not. Oh. First of all, and and your animal is dumb because it shouldn't be in Florida. He's stupid. Yeah, there's no jaguars in Florida. Yeah, I because know, the Panthers in Carolina with their bathroom well, laws we, we are we so have our bre- We have our brethren here. <laughs> we didn't send up any of the black ones here to North America because guns are legal, and we send up the the lighter he's fur He's distracting color, you, Phil. The lighter he's distracting fur color, you. The actual Uh-oh. mountain lion panther because he's a little lighter, and we know how Americans are I right now. I saw so Phil's jacket way. at the Super Bowl. I am everywhere. I am a black panther because that's what the Carolina panther is. I am. Of course, harder to see in the jungle or in Africa or in Asia because I am black, okay? Nighttime, forget about it. You can't see me. I am the most stealth weapon on the planet. Wow, he's so shook right now. Do you see his eyes? He's not. He's Chris uncertain. is a little red right yeah, now. Yeah, he's uncertain, Phil. Yep. All right, that's I, I it, Dad. I lost Dad. you guys for a second. Good. Let it's me our... just say this before I get out of uh, your range. <laughs> I, I mean this deep. From deep in my heart, you're both truly losers. Um, so that's one thing. And I can't think of the name of the series. Les Stroud. Is that his name? The guy that goes out and films himself out the... Oh, Survivor Man? What's the name of that? Uh, man versus Wild. Man versus Wild or Survivor Man? Survivor Man. He's yeah. the man. Well, Survivor man, man is scared of nothing and can do everything. But there was an episode... He was walking in the dark, and it was real. And you could tell by his face, the jaguar <laughs> was following him, tracking him, and but was it a black one? Oh no! So I'm going with the jaguar. Yeah! Wow! What an upset! Yes, if, if Survivor Man had that much respect for him, yes. then that's enough for me. But I'm a jaguar. So he's saying I won. He's saying he'd rather have the black one scarier than your little creamsicle one. That's what he's saying. No, he's no, his his was he, 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 this it was, was spotted black jaguar. This was the jaguar. The spotted. It was one. a regular jaguar that scared Survivor Man, <laughs> Phil Sims, yes. future Hall of Famer, and the best judge I've ever had. Thank you, Phil. <laughs> All, All right. right. All right, Dad. Done? Yeah, that's yeah, it. You're I paid done. My penance? You did. Yeah. You paid your uh, penance. You'll get your I'm check not in the go mail. I'm going to confession this week when I go to church. This is enough. <laughs> it is. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, All right. You Phil. guys have a great day. All you right, too, Dad. Man. I'll see you, man. All right. See you, man. See Thanks. Oh, you man. Good. When he said it was dark, I was like, that's going to be a black panther in the forest. Yes. I am. No. So a, a panther is a jaguar, but a jaguar is not always a panther. Right. Yeah. Right. Which I'm on all continents. We were the same thing. I know. He just likes me more. <laughs> yes. And I'm I think, the real son. And I mean, I think 
I at least have brethren here in the country, in the North American. I don't and I'm like smart. It, I sent the lighter skin one up in the country where the guns are legal, and I said, "Yeah, I don't know about I that." I will. I will fully admit that when you text me now right. and say, "What's my animal?" I get a little nervous because I was enjoying those first few weeks where you totally forgot we were even doing it, and now you're looking up like what countries of origin. Not ready for it. Wasn't ready for it. Uh, so I love Big Phil. One thing that we've been doing on the show is ACL epidemic. Mm-hmm. It started because Damn. every year there's ACL injuries, and there's always articles written that say it's an epidemic sweeping the country, and yet every year it's the same amount of ACL injuries. We are up to three. It started with Fozzie Whitaker, and then yesterday, Paul Warlow, a linebacker for the Eagles, tore his ACL. But the big name thus far, tight end Hunter Henry, who really finished out the year great for the Chargers. They got rid of Antonio Gates, and they were ready to move fully on with Hunter Henry. He tears his ACL, and it goes to kind of what you've always said this time of the year. These guys aren't used to making cuts right away, and so you get these... Injuries. You do. Because too much, you know, the training is the most important thing. Like, I I am a big believer in the things that these didn't happen. This is where we should have talked about my dad with my dad, too. These things didn't happen nearly as much in the old days. Because in the old days, it was all about, no, we're just going to work out. We're going to lift weights. This time of the year, it's not about cutting and stuff. No, you had two mandatory mini camps. That was all you had. But now it's like, oh, they ran for a week. They're good. Let's practice. Oh, they're they're in shape. Who cares? Let's go. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And then that's what happens. And it's just just this. It's this boredom from the coaches. That's what OTAs is. It's it's the bo- you've talked about it with Gruden. Gruden it's, get it's impatient. It's the boredom. They they don't know what else. Oh, I got to get on the field and coach. I don't know what else to do. What am I supposed to sit in here and watch film all offseason? Whatever My, it is. I don't know this. Neither of us are doctors. Yeah. But if Hunter Henry was cutting now, or if he was cutting in two months. Uh, would that impact, do you think, well, science the ACL? shows that with within six weeks of heavy training, right, lifting weights, ligaments and things like that get stronger. So you're saying that if they were to be doing more straight-ahead movements and, just and not cutting right and now, everything like that, right, I do think it, you would see less of these. And, and it's not... I never want to criticize the player right. for not training, like because no. they have off time too. Yes, and they and a lot of them are training. But yes. again, you're not you can't always train like hundred miles per hour, balls to the wall all year long. Right, especially coming off an NFL season where your body has been beaten to crap for because the worst months. thing would be is you actually tear ACL not in the facility, right? So somewhere you, else, exactly. So you ease your way into it. Mm. Okay, I'm running a little. I'm lifting weights, and yeah. I'll continue to get aggressive as we go along. But it's always pushed on, let's get out there and practice. we got to do seven on seven because, man, yeah. the quarterback and the receiver, they might not be able to throw and catch this I, year. I'm going to admit that I'm a little nervous about the Eagles. They lost Paul Warlow the same day they cut Michael Kendricks mm-hmm. to save about six, seven million dollars. This is on top of the Timmy Jernigan and Brandon Graham injuries. Everything's kind of getting pushed under the rug because you have a Super Bowl win. Carson Wentz looked good out there. He looked good. But yep. there's a lot of injuries where it was like, man, we got Michael Bennett and Haloti Nada on top of all these guys. Yeah. And now I look at the depth chart and go, damn, Michael Bennett and Haloti Nada are going to have to hold down the fort until everybody else comes back. Right. And the weakness that I've always saw of the Eagles was linebacker. Yeah, I know. And they lost two yesterday. Right, lost two yesterday. Hey, you got Jordan gonna... Hicks coming back from a serious injury. I don't know what injury. he's going to be. I mean, Michael Kendricks, I can't imagine even if they call him up. He played and like, great in the Super Bowl. I, I mean, but he's got incredible. There's some, obviously something there. He's it's got something incredible... and it's the $7 million. Yes. But... 
He's got incredible physical ability. I, I do. Michael Kendrick's one of those guys I look at. If he latches on on the right team and the right scheme, he can be a difference maker because there's not a lot of middle linebackers that have his physical ability. We usually focus on Kyle Shanahan like we did in the beginning, yeah. but you've got a lot of former coaches and friends in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I got three things on Gruden. Okay. First one's funny. Bruce Irvin commenting on John Gruden said, I've never seen a person's face stay red for a whole seven periods in practice. <laughs> Is that accurate to what you've experienced? Very. Because he's just, in practice this time of the year, somebody messes up almost on every play, unless it's just an offense that's totally cohesive and together and been doing it for a few years. So he's going to find something on every play where he's going to go, well, this guy, guy's a freaking dolt. Doesn't understand my protections. Yeah. Here's the play, Derek Carr. Oh, you messed it up, too. Whatever. Yes, yeah, so that's the way he stays. I think the funniest thing about Gruden is watching people react to him. Mm-hmm. So on Obi Melon Fonwu, the guy that you love, yes. it was like a month or two ago, they were like, he's close to returning. Well, th- like yesterday after practice, Gruden's like, he's not close to returning at all. And the quote was, haven't seen much of Obi except in the training room. Which, I is Gruden one of those guys that's, are all NFL coaches yeah. guilting players in the training room? Uh, but is Gruden better at it? I would say Gruden's better at it. Gruden is better at it, and he's the really the the big thing is where coaches really get away with it, and you see it more than that is young guys. They're always the young guys. They know they can pressure a little, so that's where it happens. Uh, you know whether it's the. Kevin White's or the Devontae Parkers that we heard Adam Gase yes. make a little comments, yes. right? It's always the young guy who hasn't quite earned his stripes and, oh, we think he might be a little bit of a baby about this injury, so let me see if I can public pressure mm. nudge him out on Is the that football good? field. Of course not. I mean, of course not. You know, again, most of these coaches have never been an athlete worth a damn in their life. They wouldn't know what a pulled muscle feels like because they're not strong enough or fast enough to ever pull a muscle. Mm. But yet they're going to judge people who are not in the same body. Yeah, it's not right. I read a whole article about That's where Belichick, ahead of the the curve again. Doesn't say anything. Doesn't say anything. Wouldn't rush his guy out there. Would go, you know, we'll put you out there the first few weeks. It's freaking OTAs. Do individual drills. Yeah. And then I see, oh, you're great at individual drills and you've been doing it for a little while. Go out to practice. Read this a great article on ESPN about Mike Tomlin, and he's a he's he's a players coach in terms of players respect him. Yeah, but he's not babying the guys. He he's just doesn't school. go out and embarrass him and all that yes, stuff. Right. Uh, one more Hackenberg to the Raiders. Yeah. Everyone remembers when John Gruden came out and said, "I would be surprised if this guy doesn't go in the first round." Right. You openly texted and said, "Look, the guy can't evaluate quarterback play." <laughs> Hackenberg. Yeah. I don't even want to ask if there's a chance he can play because I well, think I mean, that he ship also has said sailed. Connor Cook was going to be the first round pick. That's also and he on said his that roster. Aaron Murray was like a first round so, pick. So yeah, that's, I mean Gruden, but you know, Hackenberg. Hackenberg. What I, do I you think of the situation? I, I, all I would say is really just if you look at the pictures of him on the internet from today, just look at the way he, that when they show him throwing a football, I'd go, nobody throws like that. Nobody's body's in that position to ever throw a football How in is, the NFL. What's the position? I mean, he's like this, like his arms are like this with the ball cocked out. Both like, hands are yeah, going outwards. Like it's it's. He is not a natural thrower of the football. He is your perfect of, wow, he looks awesome coming in the room. He's so handsome. And, if man, if he stood in front of the podium, ooh, he'd be some face of the franchise, except for the fact that he can't play in the field. How much longer? Gruden will- gets a Gruden is not a great quarterback evaluator. And I know this is going to be out there. He's an awesome, awesome, awesome offensive mind that is going to just always – 
collect quarterbacks and then see what they got and mm. go, oh, wait, this guy in person when he runs my offense is better than I thought or whatever it may be. Was the Raiders the only team that would take a chance? Because my question is, how many more times will someone go, maybe I can get through to Hackenberg? Maybe one more. You think one maybe more? Maybe one more, yes. You know, I think it would be hard after this stint, but you might get one more dumb coach or GM that might be like, oh, I liked him his freshman year mm. at Penn State under Billy O'Brien. It's really a fascinating situation. Yeah, it is. And because once you get labeled like that, you get a lot of chances too. I mean, oh, he's a first-round talent. It might hurt, though, that on his way out, he kind of questioned the Jets coaching staff and said they really didn't teach me anything. They never worked on my throwing motion. Do you think John John Gruden ain't going to tell you how to throw it? I mean, that's where where I've told this, right? We've talked about this. There's nobody in football that can teach you how to throw a football. I mean, nobody. I I mean, I know a lot. There's, There's a few offensive coordinators and quarterback coaches that know a little. But for the most part, they have no clue about teaching a guy how to throw a football. It's like the old Gary Player thing. I'm not going to take a lesson from you unless you can come out in the course and beat me. You know, most of these quarterback coaches and offensive coordinators weren't quarterbacks, aren't good throwers of anything, any Mm. object. So, oh yeah, let me listen to you now because you've gone to so many classes and shown me so much that you're willing to learn. No, they're just going to teach guys the offense. That's Mm. what they're there for. Here's the offense. Here's the read. Your feet were cockeyed. Those are the things they can stay on. Other than that, they can't really tell them the rhyme or reason of why it's inaccurate or why it's accurate. It's very it's very elementary as far as that's concerned, which shocks people. All right. Whoa. Big offseason. Chris, I got three for you this oh, week. Oh, okay. Let's go. Give me three. Number one. Number one. Aaron Rodgers is, is the greatest quarterback, quarterback we've ever seen. Oh, sorry. Damn. Aaron Rodgers is the greatest quarterback we've ever seen. <laughs> the dude's already impressed with Jimmy Graham. Very impressed. Quote, the guy is pretty damn talented. He's got some different elements we haven't had around here in a while with his ability to read coverages very quickly. Mm -hmm. He catches everything with his hands. We're pretty excited about him. They should be. I I think about all the weapons that Aaron Rodgers has had. Mm -hmm. And they try to bring in Martellus Bennett. But Martellus, our guy, yeah. wasn't at that level of, of athleticism. No. He was more and, of a blocking and guy. And he had issues with his body, like he said. No, other guys. He's had Richard Rodgers at tight end. They tried to bring in Jared Cook. Right. Jared Cook is an athlete, athlete mm-hmm. but he's not at Jimmy Graham's level. No, no. Wide receivers, we've always wanted him to have a bigger wide receiver. This, I don't know if Aaron Rodgers has had a guy like this. No. Jordy Nelson in the beginning, super athlete. Randall Cobb was never an elite athlete. Devontae Adams might be the most athletic guy he's had there. I think so. And Jimmy Graham is at another level. <clears throat> is this a true, whoa, big offseason? Yes, it is actually. I mean... <laughs> In the, in the sense, too, you know, I think we're forgetting about a name. People forget about a name that may be one of the most dangerous targets he ever had. Jermichael Finley there, oh. when he was going, that was when they were they were dangerous because he could expose that middle of the field. And, and he, the sentence he says, right. his ability to read coverages yes. very quickly. Yes. This is a guy that's played with Drew Brees. Mm-hmm. This is a guy that's played with Russell Wilson, yes. an improviser. Right. If Aaron and his tight end can get on the same page, Mm -hmm. oh baby. Same offenses as the two he was previously in, so that's going to help out a whole lot. But, yeah, we're talking again about the greatest physical specimen we've ever seen at the quarterback position as just far as his skill set, throwing, moving, different delivery, you know, quick release, whatever it is. And Jimmy Graham's one of the best best specimens we've ever seen at the tight end position. He is. Now, Jimmy Graham is not a great blocker. 
But they didn't bring him up there to block. They're no. not worried about that. And they haven't had a run game up there ever, so it doesn't really matter. But the big thing is, is yeah, I mean, they're going to split out Jimmy Graham, and we're talking about one of the greatest one-on-one throwers in the history of the sport throwing to him. And Jimmy Graham, like I know I've said to you before, and I think I've said it on the podcast before, people just don't realize how big he is. He is bigger than Rob Gronkowski. He's bigger than Gronk. I realized because when we went to Seattle camp, you, I was blown away. Exactly. He's a giant of man. I mean, when, when I've New never Orleans, seen anyone that big. No, at, at that position to be able to move the, the way he does so fluidly, uh, it's like the Draymond explosion, Green. it's phenomenal. You're right. You're right. I mean, he's got some set of legs and ass on yeah. him. Uh, he's just not as good a blocker as Gronkowski, but man, he is special in the pass game. But that was a whoa big offseason that I actually thought was a whoa because when I read the reading of defenses, I thought. I don't. You're right. Since Jermichael, he hasn't been able to own the field. No, like Richard Rodgers is not that guy. No, nobody. So nobody's really been that guy. And then again, we talk about hey, this year, whoa, big off season. They oh, we're gonna go back and start from scratch yes. on our playbook, yes. right? So they didn't make the playoffs. All these issues. Okay, so now we're gonna change and tweak some offense. It's gonna be a better offense. Uh, but. You're going to have a, 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 I don't know, you know what to say, a polarizing guy in the offense for the first time in a while to where defenses are actually going to go, damn, we might have to do some coverages and some things we don't want to really do against Aaron mm. Rodgers. And that might leave Devontae Adams in I some favorable positions. The more and more that's all about Aaron Rodgers needs. Yeah. He just needs a little bit. The more and more I think about yeah. Devontae Adams could have a monster year. Yes. I would, I would I would think he is going to be the biggest benefactor out of this. Yes. The thing is, is he's been balling ever since he came in the league. He has. Like I think that it was a I think he kind of started slower. He had some injuries. He and did. So the excitement wasn't and, there right yeah, away. He just didn't I don't think he grasped the offense right away. But as soon as Jordy went injury, down, yeah, yes. he's been balling. He has. All right, next woe big offseason. We see it every year. Players working out with former greats, and we we pretend that this greatness will transfer. It's going to rub off on him because they bench press together. Second year Cardinals wide receiver Chad Williams yes. has been working out with Chad Ochocinco this offseason. Quote, he actually took my mind to another level. He prepped my mind more than he prepped my feet. It was me and Chad going at each other every day. Now, his rookie season was kind of lost. He had three catches in six games, and he admitted he was daunted by the playbook and the schedule. But working out with Ocho Cinco, whoa! Big off season. Have you seen players work out with former greats and it actually had a positive impact? Definitely, yes. I mean, there's been the, the guys that go down and work with Chris Carter at the wide receiver position, all those things. There's things to be gained there, especially a wide receiver. Again, too, wide receiver is another one of those positions like we talked about with quarterback where we talk about technique and that. Yes. There's not a lot of guys that actually know techniques of how to run certain routes as a wide receiver in the NFL. Oh, shit, so, guys work out with your dad. I forgot. Exactly. So, But yeah, wide receiver, I feel like you can learn the secret way to hold Little, people, the way to sell your brakes. Right. How to think about just the foot placement. Sometimes you go, sometimes just the mentality of the mechanic is actually all you need. Hey, how about this thought, right? Mm. Like, uh, I, just for an example, I ran the 5-10-5 in the combine. The, one of the keys to the 5-10-5 is uh, when you're coming up to the line and you're about three steps away, actually start thinking about going the other way. So then you hit the line, mm. you're actually already turned and facing the 
line, you you don't waste movements. So that's just an example. But I and find the Ocho Cinco mental thing too, because well, that's where people miss out on it a little bit, and they don't. Again, we've talked about this. What makes players great? Yes. Well, the intensity Odell Beckham Jr. shows off the field is the way he is on the field. That's what makes him great. Lawrence Taylor, whatever it may is be. Is Ocho a guy you would want to learn from? Yeah, Ocho has a mindset of I'm the man. I'm a baller. I don't care what you're gonna do. I'm gonna come out here and the lights are on and I'm gonna show up. And I know New England it didn't work out the right. right way, but there was a mindset there that made him successful in the early parts of his career with Cincinnati. And whether that be Chris Carter or really any of the greats you've ever been around, they do have something special about how they approach the game, not only their confidence in their self, the things they fear that might make them work harder, all of it plays into you being a successful football player. I mean, yeah, I was I was I was a fear-based guy some days. That's what got me up in the morning. Damn, I need to get there. I want to be the first quarterback there. I don't want anybody stealing my job. Mm. Damn, I got to put in the work. I mean, just, you know, who knows who's out there. I mean, that's kind of what drove me, but little feel things like, like that. I feel like if you work out with Ocho Cinco, you have two options. Mm-hmm. You either think he's crazy and you go away from him, or you embrace it and you embrace some of that, I'm the best to ever do it. Think about Antonio Brown when he was hurt. At the end of the season, he went and worked out with Chad Ochocinco, remember? Mm-hmm. And they were, what did Ochocinco said? He's working out with the greatest feet of all time, whatever. And he was Ocho doing Cinco that. Ochocinco and T.O. are two guys that are still incredibly athletic. I mean, T.O. still thinks he can come back. He's going into the Hall of Fame in August at 44 years yeah. old. Yeah. And the reason I think that's still a story yeah. is because when you look at him, you think he can do it. You think he can do it. I know. Do the, you think he can do it? No, absolutely Who's, not. Who would be a better wide receiver right now? Yeah. T.O. or Des Bryant? Des Bryant. Okay. All right. So, like, T.O. T- yeah, no, it's okay. I, I get you. I, I, but, no, I hear you. Because I've actually had friends that text me, too, when T.O. said all this stuff. Because recently. you like, see him do, do these cuts, really and you see his it? body, and you yeah. go, why can't I throw him in the slot on, like, a five-yard slant and just see him bump somebody? Yeah, I know. And, 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 and like... Again, I think if all things were perfect on every play, he could have value in the NFL. Like his top end speed, I bet you is still pretty good. It's probably better than some receivers in the NFL. What happens if it's not perfect? But that's the problem. See, to me, this is where when being around old receivers or old players, and I got to see Randy Moss in Tennessee towards the end of his career. It's the the twitchiness and the explosiveness that goes away, and then oh shit, Akib Talib's a foot in front of me, and he's twitchy and explosive as hell and now i need to get twitching explosive and i need to be able to be uh quick as hell quick as hell twitchy to shake him and then have quick as hell hands to get his hands off of me mm. and then have an explosive element to go within three steps i can get around this guy and, and be at full speed anymore? no and that's what all of those guys always miss it's, that's what ends up happening at the end of the day it's just those little movements that make a big difference against nfl starting corners the reason i think this is still a thing yeah and it's it's kind of it's messed up tio never got closure yeah, T.O. Yeah. could have played two or three more years, mm-hmm. five or six years ago, mm-hmm. but no one signed him because they deemed him as too much of a troublemaker. Yeah. Same thing with Ocho Cinco. Ocho Cinco's came when he was in Miami and had that domestic violence charge. And it I don't know if it was a charge or not. He was in a domestic violence situation and yes. he got cut. Right. And they were both guys that were going from team to team. They went to Cincinnati. And T.O., I think, could have played five or six years ago for two or three more. Yes. And he's kept himself ready to play. He has. And it's all Always not been able to, and I just don't think he's gotten closure. And those are the guys we've talked about it before. You suffer a death. 
your play, like the the athletic side of you dies. But for you, you kind of went, you know what? I just, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. T.O. never got that chance. Yeah, right. And and especially when I hear stories that he's working out for for Josh Rosen's pro day at Cleveland, these teams are still using him. And to me, it's like it's a little unfair to the guy to just kind of parade him out there and be like, "Well, we'll do it." But um, I know I want him to get closure. Yeah. But his of all the Hall of Fame speeches, Brian Dawkins will be magnanimous. Erlacher will be under. It won't be that great. Randy Moss's will be funny. Ray Lewis's could be forty five minutes long. T.O.'s is the one that I don't know how it's going to go. Mm-hmm. I told you, I interviewed Dennis Rodman last week, and before I interviewed him, I rewatched his Hall of Fame speech. Yeah. And the look on everyone's face before it started was half excitement and half panic. Right. What is he going to say? Right. And he's apologizing, and he's a little bit nervous. But T.O. could go out there and say, I could still play. Yeah. Like, is he going to call out people? Is he going to yell at people? Is he going to be excited? Is he going to be thankful? Is he going to be grateful? Is he going to be humble? I don't know. He's the wild card of that weekend. He is the wild card because he's he was vocal about saying he's been cheated and he should have been in already. So I I, I get all that. It could be a little Jordan. Remember what Jordan? Nobody went up has there closure and... in the NFL. Nobody. You don't. There's, you, there's don't think, like... you don't think John Elway walked out on a Super Bowl? Yeah. Jerome Bettis walked out on a Super Bowl. There, you're talking about five people in the history I know, of the sport. But do you think even they were like, I still could have played? Do, yeah, I mean, I think Elway. I mean, I think Elway messed up. He shouldn't have retired. I mean, he's stupid. They would have. They could have won three in a row. Uh, he went too early. He just didn't want to deal with. I think all the other stuff that it went into being a pro. Still, he wanted to play. He just was like, damn, I just don't feel like doing the work in between the week. Peyton Manning, but went off of the Super I know, Bowl. That's what I mean. But we're talking again. It's a very select few. But everybody else, you're telling me the 99. percent Yes, like the Chris Sims of the world out there. No, there's never closure. It's never. It's always going to bring us the tear to my eye to go. Damn, I didn't really get to get my career to end the way I wanted or get it off the ground the way I wanted, whatever it may be. Everybody's going to feel that way to a degree. He's getting the ultimate closure, whether you like it or not. With Hall of Fame? Yeah. I mean, you it know. does seem like the, to watch grown men cry at the Hall of Fame, yeah. it's, it's having like a family member speak. You see all the fans that are there for you. And then when they show your bronzed bust, mm-hmm. it's permanent. And that's maybe but is the closure. He, yeah, I hope so. And I hope it is for him. And, of course, it's going to be extra money into his bank account now because when he gets asked to go to the signing cards things and all that, to have HOF you know, 2018 on there, that's going to drive up his price like $100 per autograph, which is great for him, good for him. He deserves that. Yeah. But at the same time, too, not necessarily sure he deserves closure, just not sure. You know, he's the, he is the exact example of the guy in the NFL who he's really squeaky wheel at times, and when you're an awesome player, you can get away with that. But then when those skills decline, people go, oh, I don't know if I want to deal with the squeakiness of that wheel. And I just think that's what happened. And it might not be fair, and I get all that yeah. too, but that's just kind of the, the bet he made for himself, too. Last, whoa, whoa, big offseason, rookie hazing has oh, begun. Oh, gosh, how dare they? And it's with your former team, Ooh. the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yes. But it's kind of a positive, funny one. Okay. So, Vita Vea. Uh, big-time draft pick for the yep. Tampa Bay Bucks is being asked to do one thing by his position mate, Gerald McCoy. Gerald's been around the block. We've seen this before. He's not getting taped to a goalpost. He's not getting his car engine taken out. The tires are still going to be on his car. Damn, that's what they should do, though. <laughs> Except this is what uh, Vita Vea is going to have to do. McCoy says, quote, I told him he has to tell my children that he is Maui from Moana. <laughs> 
when he introduces himself to my kids, this is his only rookie duty I'm going to give him. No dinner, none of that. Make sure that when you introduce yourself to my kids, you are Maui, no questions asked. My favorite part is he continued to say, you've got too many kids around here. You're going to go work parties. You're going to do birthday parties and all of that. So apparently for all of the kids on the Tampa Bay Bucks, if you've seen the movie Moana, the main guy is Maui. He's going to have to show up and be like, I'm Maui. So for the rest of the year, probably for the I'd rest like of his career. I'd like to see career. that. And he wears the, uh, what, yes. you know, what do they call that? The, 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 what is know. that called? The lay. And the that's skirt. what goes around the neck. The yeah, skirt. The skirt, I guess. skirt, whatever right, it is. Right. Uh, I've never seen Moana. Yeah. But I've never seen it actually either. Oh, then you're just you're laughing because you know who the guy is. I know who the guy is. Yes, but it's I just funny that movie. he's going to have to go to all these children's parties. And be that's like, a good hey, guys, one. I'm Maui. That's a good one. I like that. It's fun, fun, fun spirited. See, that's I like stuff. rookie hazing. I like it. You're a fan. I, yeah, I think it's a necessary evil in the NFL. Other than like making rookies pay $30,000 for a dinner, that's the part where I think it's stupid. That's Everything the non-creative. Else, come on. I mean, I, Warren Sapp wouldn't have talked to him. I mean, it allowed me to bond with the older players, the fact that I had to have skull on me because Warren Sapp said I did all the time. It made my relationship with Warren better because he he knew he could abuse me and I could take it, and I was tough enough to do that, and that gave me respects with other veterans on the team. Like, oh, Sims isn't some silver spoon brat. He can be motherfucked yeah. by Warren Sapp all day long. It does it does foster a kinship, and, it, and you it, kind it of wonder why can't you be brothers without like intimidating or whatever, but it, there is a guys cross there. the line too, and then I guess that's what happens. I think for me, I'm I'm done. I agree with you. I'm yeah. done with the seventy thousand dollar check. Right. I'm done with the someone buying a thirty four thousand dollar bottle of Dom. Right. There are more creative ways to bond that's right. not empty your paycheck. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Make the guy. You know, make the rookie's got to wash my car every Tuesday and the day off. Like things like that. They're awesome. It's great. The rookie's gonna hate it, but he's also gonna get a ton of respect and probably gonna get a bunch of free stuff off of it, too, because when he gets done washing the car, the vet's going to feel bad and be like, hey, Rook, you want to come to dinner with us? Yes, or exactly. I'll pay for dinner. Uh, speaking of money, uh, Zach Martin's not going to OTAs. Mm. Le'Veon Bell's not going to OTAs. Not a baby! Um, so, but... We'll wait and see. Hell it's no, early. We won't go. Yeah, no. we'll we wait and see go. for mini camps and training camps and all that stuff. But uh, Aaron Donald, pay we know that is, man his money. You knew where I was going. No, oh, no. So Aaron Donald, obviously that? not at OTAs. It's Rounders. Okay. Uh, Marcus Peters. Part of the reason they were concerned about uh. Marcus Peters is the man will openly say what he says. Yes. And they brought him in, and he's already talking for the LA Rams. Hey, man. Pay the man, Peter said. I mean, you win the MVP, man. Come on now. So they got this new it. guy. Peters comes in. They go, "What do you think?" And usually people would go, "Yeah, I don't want to talk about other no, people." That's the team. not my place. Marcus to talk Peters about goes, that. "Pay Aaron Donald." Right. What are you talking about? Pay the man. Yes. And now you know how Marcus Peters is going to handle his contract next year. But what do you think about the, the sassy quarterback cornerback coming in and just saying, "Pay him." Love it. Love yeah. it. And really. It's gonna. He's gonna get love throughout the team because of that. He's gonna get love through the coaches through that. You They're think gonna, so? Yeah, the coaches are gonna love it because they don't care. They're not in charge of that. Like maybe Sean McVay might be like, "Oh, I wish he didn't say that." But like the defensive Wade Phillips gonna be like, "Hey, that's how you get the team on you. You're sticking mm. up for players." Sticking but even up for Sean McVay said, "He's probably gonna I, uh, yeah, like Sean it." Yeah, Sean McVay right. came out and said, "I understand why he's not here. Yeah, like yeah. we need we have it. We have to figure it out." Yes, and that's good. And uh, I think again uh, with the Shanahan's and the McVays of the world, uh, they just have there. You have a great way with players. 
players and they understand the business and they understand the the unfairness of it at times. Is that a word, unfairness? Uh, but yeah, I think they do, and I think that's going to continue continue to give them street cred on their team and in the locker room because. Just saying a little thing like that, we understand. Or instead of going, we're only going to talk about the players that are here. Like, yeah, okay. Why do we even cover New England? That's what I want to tell people. Why go? Like, how about don't go to New England and see if let's let's see if Bill changes his ways. He would love ways. it. I know. He would love it. I guess so. I don't, Mr. Kraft wouldn't though. That's that's and that's where money talks. We'll see. That would be interesting, right? If the media really wanted to Just get an impact going. on a bill, right. you stop going to craft yeah. and you say, we're not going to listen to you until you make your coach say things, exactly but that's right. not going to happen. I know. I know. Uh, all right. So Cameron is coming up now. Yeah. Uh, we talk some hoops. We talk some hip hop. It was a really good conversation on Monday, Memorial Day. We are having a special hour long. It was supposed to be 20 MMQB minutes. with BR. Uh, Peter King hour long special with uh, Peter King. Memorial Day. <laughs> I'm telling you, it was supposed to be 20 minutes. We just recorded it. And he's just full of stories yeah. from riding the bus with John Madden uh, to telling stories about Chris's dad. Uh, it was a really awesome podcast, and I hope you guys enjoy it. But as always, thank you so much. We love you very much. Uh, thank you for subscribing. Fill out that comment section. Hit us up on social at Sims and Lefko for Sims. Peace out, homies. Fendrick would say good, good evening. evening. And the LEFKOE man says good night. Guys, we're here throughout the entire whoa, big off season, and we'll holler at you soon. Enjoy your Memorial Day weekend. Peace. People don't realize, man. Meat is not easy for the body to process. I always see these guys at like Chipotle or like, I'll have quadruple steak and a chicken and they get nothing else. And I'm going to go, damn, you got a huge belly. So I don't think it's working. I think we need to reassess. Yeah, I start teasing people. I say, because you know, they get like bacon cheeseburgers. I'm like, you want to eat a pig and a cow at the same time. That's how I make myself feel better. Yeah, (laughs) there you go. Yeah, so we are here right now uh, with Cam, Cam Ron, and we're just talking about how svelte you are. I don't hear I'm him in my ear anything yet. either. Yeah. So if you guys can hook up the IFBs, I'll just keep talking because I can hear you guys. But you're looking felt. How much? How many pounds have you dropped? Probably about eight. Not that much. Probably Damn. Eight. Like just eight. Well. Just eight. Yeah, I put them at more like in the fifteen range. Are you a Are you a daily step on the scale though? Yeah, actually, I you am. are like yeah. in the morning or in the night. Maybe about once every three days. Once every three days. Yeah, I have to. Okay. I was what actually happened was I was shooting a movie in. October, and we did reshoots in uh, the end of March, and I had I actually went to Phoenix to start this process, um, because I had gained ten pounds, um, in between reshoots, so I had to lose about ten pounds. So I lost eight. That's how I know I lost eight. What's the movie? <laughs> it's a movie I wrote. I wrote um, it's called well, co-wrote my man Rod Raspy. Rod. Follow him on Instagram. Right. Um, A.K.A. Dario Rodriguez. We, um, <laughs> we wrote a movie. It's um, it's like a drama thriller. I like to mix it with, um, I would like to say, what's the name of that movie? Um, Tell me. Let's say, give me the actors. Uh, Unfaithful. Unfaithful mixed with Usual Suspects. Oh, that's it's a like good a one. Mixer. So we wrote that. Um, I funded it. Um, Sex and murder mystery. Yeah, we spent about a quarter million dollars on it. 
Um, and I'm waiting to, for the edit to come back, which should be in another week or two, then I'm going to go shop. But I got some friends that already want to get it. I don't want to say any names. Yeah. Case there's other options out there. But that's what I've been doing the last five, six months. You made music, movies. Is it similar? Is it a similar like feeling to it? Well, to be honest, movies are much more difficult because you have to have maybe anywhere. Man, I'm talking about minimum 10 to 20 people on the same page. Whereas music, you go in the booth. Me, I, m- music, all I need is just me and him. We could just do whatever. Yeah. He makes beats. He's an engineer. We do the songs and it's done. We can yeah. go get a mix from one other guy. You need three people. Yeah. Movie, Are you, movies you need at least 15 to 20. You got a tour coming up too? Next month in June. Yep. Where can people get tickets? I want to get all that out of the way. Um, To be honest, I don't know right now. Okay. <laughs> but if you if You, you Google, go on the East Coast? West Coast, East Coast, we're going all over. But if you type in Dipset Forever Tour, I'm pretty sure you know where to find them. So, I've always been fascinated with like the recording session, right? Like right. just what you see on TV. It always right. seems like it's, you know, you, few of your friends, maybe some girls just right. for some eye candy. Talking about the atmosphere? Yes. Like, yeah. And then, I mean, people were smoking weed. Mm-hmm. I just want to know, like, from a creative aspect, mm-hmm. like, was that something that you always felt like? that help you? Is that something you want to do? Are you better flowing when your mind's clear? What, what when is- I was in my 20s, that was every studio session. Right. You know what I'm right. saying? That was every day. Even in my early 30s now, I just want to get my work done so I don't, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily have a bunch of people lingering because I'll get distracted. Then also yes. what happened was studios in my house now. So I could do uh, a verse. I could go upstairs and eat. Right. I could fuck around and right. play games and right. go back downstairs. When you're paying for studio time somewhere else, you want to, you know, you're you staying there, you're, you're grinding, yeah, yeah, you got to get done yeah, what you got to get done. because you're paying for it. When yeah. it's in your house, you get a little comfortable with it. Right. Yeah. Right. But also, like, guys have rules. Like, I know Kendrick and what they're doing there, they have, a like, a sheet on the wall. If you're not family or, like, part of this, you're yeah. not in here. Right. And then it's, and the other problem right now with studio time is cell phones. Right. You know, you drop a hot bar, someone puts it on Snapchat or Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. Or all, all of a sudden, you got to release that next week. Right. Because right. the pressure, you, oh, I saw mm. it on I never thought about media. that. Right. Well, right. you know, to be honest, even if you come out with an album, and I'm talking about the top of the top. I'm talking about maybe even, let's say, Jay-Z. You, you'll get a month mm. because there's so much content out there. Yeah. You know, a great album would get a month. And I'm talking about a great album. Good there album are, there are albums today that I see that don't even get a day. Exactly. It's, it's crazy. What it's, do you mean a day? Like So, like, Drake's going to have an album yeah. that comes out in, like, a month. Right. There's going to be other albums that are going to come out the same weekend. Yeah. Right. They might not get a day of press. You right. know, J. Cole had an album that came out two weeks ago. The way that I look at the success of an album is how often am I listening to it after that like right. a month later am i still putting on scissor Absolutely. am i still taking it in because there's just there's so much and there's so many places to get it from now right it's not it wasn't like before like the wall or fye where you walked in and and you bought a cd streaming's telling me new songs to listen to every day mm. so that's it's true fact actual fact well I, i'm always interested just because i i'm i was like this as a quarterback or an athlete like who so like Who's the best rapper in the game right now? Like for you, I know you have respect a lot of them, but like if you mm-hmm. just said, "Man, right now this guy's the man. He's the not, in, not including not Cam. including Cam." Mm-hmm. Right? I'm saying, who's that guy that you look at and just I admire mean, him a lot? I mean, are you talking about all time or present? No, present. Like, like the Drakes, the right Kendrick now. Lamar conversation, those kind of guys. Uh, all time too, though. I want that I think too. Right now is is between the two you just named. It is between those Drake two. and Kendrick Lamar. Yeah. You know, both of them stay busy. They both work. You know, sometimes people get a wave and then they'll get comfortable and then you don't hear from mm-hmm. them. Wow, those two guys are always working. Yeah. So I would put those two at they're the top. Like, they're my two they're favorites. They're like corporations. Right. 
Like they have like everything's is like a machine right now with those guys. Mm-hmm. Drake is so meticulous and everything like it, it, like if there's a picture with Serena, there's a reason there's a picture with Serena going out. Like right. everything has a motive. It's crazy. The, right. Does Kanye enter your mind right now? I got a bone to pick with Kanye. He bothers <laughs> me right now. So Yeah, I mean, uh I don't I, I don't really want to speak too much on Kanye. I yeah. mean He's a great musician, but I just don't know where he's at mentally. That's and it. to be t- totally yeah. honest, my personal opinion yeah. is Childish Gambino is sliding into the the lane, Kanye the con- lane, the Kanye the, lane that he the had, Johnny creative yeah, guy, right? You know right. what I'm saying? And I really like what Childish Gambino is bringing to the table. Yeah. That last also. that last video, right, was wild. This is America. Well, wild. To be honest, what happened was uh, with this is America. I never really looked at too much Childish Gambino. After that video came out, I went back and did it. And checked whole, it out. So that bu- last bunch, album was unbelievable. A bunch of all of his old stuff, and he's been very creative for years. You know? I saw Childish Gambino at GovBall, and I love that album. Redbone is a song you've definitely heard before. Right. The whole album's great. Right. But yeah, his old stuff, like the 3005 and all that. I'm just catching up. He's dope. interesting because he was not accepted by hip-hop culture very early on. Right. He's one of those guys that was an actor and was like a comedian and all that stuff. I and saw him in stand up comedy that's what yeah. i'm saying and so comedy, for yeah. and tell me if i'm wrong i think hip-hop is something that a lot of people came raised in it and then they branch out to those other stuff right. he did it backwards right and i think for a lot of people they were like it took like two or three albums for people to take them seriously mm-hmm. almost. right but, well i just wasn't aware you know yeah. what i'm saying um a couple people told me about them but i went back and i've been watching them for the last week or so catching up on all the stuff you guys are talking isn't about. the internet amazing dope <laughs> 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 All right, so the reason he's here, he's, he's our, our se- he's our Sims and Lefko lead NBA analyst. I was yeah, going to call him, I was going to call him senior NBA analyst. That's what they call him on CNN. <laughs> oh, he's our senior NBA analyst. Um, I am. I've been a little disappointed. I just feel like the Warriors are kicking that ass, and Celtics Cavs is getting good. Mm-hmm. Let's start off with that one. We're recording this on a Tuesday. It's going to come out Wednesday, but the game it's now two two. Right. Where are you? LeBron dropped forty four. Mm-hmm. Where are we right now, Cavs Celtics? Who do you think is a better team? I mean, definitely Boston to me is a better team. Agreed. But um, they're younger, they're hungry. Uh, I love Brad Stevens, but LeBron is just LeBron. You know, to me, that's just what it is. And if and to me, the real difference maker in the last two games is Kyle Culver. Mm. You know, what I mean, he did a he trem- was diving on the ball. The yeah, floor he did last a, he night. He did a tremendous job on Jalen Brown last yeah. night defensively. And um, I think he's the difference in the last two games. Now, Boston hasn't been great on the road against anybody. You yeah. know? I don't think they've one, won one, on the road. One playoff against, right. against the Sixers. Right. Yeah, of so, course. I'm, of course, Cleveland has LeBron and so on and so forth, but Boston does have the home court advantage, mm. and they just stink on the road. So I think when they get back to Boston, this is the um, – Set for Cleveland. Yeah, game yeah. five is enormous. Right. right, and then the thing about LeBron, even when he's down 0-2, LeBron was down 1-3 against Golden State. Yeah. One, you know, even though Draymond got suspended for that one game. Right. So be if, I've never counted LeBron out until Ever. four games. He's lost four games. I agree. My right. my question is never about LeBron. It's about will he get help? Just enough in help those to games. get him over right. the edge. Absolutely. Yeah, like the Jr. Can he be consistent? Can you get more from Corver? And then those young guys they got from the Lakers trade, mm-hmm. like you know, like uh, Clarkson, Clarkson, right. and then uh, uh, Nance, Nance. Right. right. Like Nance had a big play last night, and right. I was like, man, you just need a few of those from him every mm-hmm. game. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, with with the new guys, um. 
Tyler Lue got to get him some some confidence in there. Let him get some playing time. Do you ever and, watch like just body language and look at Ty Lue and like? Do you think like what is? Do you think the relationship is Ty Lue and LeBron? I think, I think it's a little bit respected, but. But LeBron ultimately gets the last word. I feel like, like he's the coach. Like absolutely. I yeah. mean, I think he's the coach and the GM. If you ask me, I was wondering last night. Do you do you know how they play music when a team's on offense? Do you think LeBron picks that music too? <laughs> like, I feel like he's that involved. Where he's like, I really like to play to Jay Z on offense. I, I don't made... think LeBron like runs the team, but they battle LeBron certainly. And in basketball, that's what happens. I mean, you can look at old things of like Phil Jackson and Michael Jordan. You go out and watch like walkthroughs that they had of the Utah Jazz series. Michael's out on the floor going, no, you need to be here. You need yeah, to be here. Right. So it's basketball, because like you said, yeah, Boston's the better team. Right. But, man, one guy in basketball, if it's not too far off, can just even it out. Like, this is what's amazing to me, just why we're talking about LeBron. Tyrone Liu gets done. This is how, like, 44 points is really like, oh, just another game. It felt normal. They didn't even ask Tyrone Liu about him scoring 44 points. Mm. And after the fact in the press conference and you're watching, people realized after the fact that they didn't ask and they kept going, you know, we just had Tyrone Liu here and we never <laughs> even asked him about LeBron scoring 44, which is unreal to me. Absolutely. Right? They're used to it. I think... Um I don't even feel like Michael was quite like Michael's still number one to me. My, me too. Yeah, but I don't know if Michael was. We were as bored with oh 44, 12, and ten. Like like we would be more like man, that was awesome. Yeah. Where LeBron, I, I, I tell know. people all the time, LeBron is like uh, something you're not going to see as far as his height, his weight, his athletics. Yeah, the specimen, the specimen that he is. Michael Jordan was. Scoring forty or fifty points more finesse, LeBron will bully you down. Not saying he doesn't have an outside shot or a jump shot. Michael was just jumping through three people at one yeah, time, right? Making layups, coming up on the other side, yeah, stuff that <laughs> was just unbelievable. Yeah, as we as we last night, and I'm not discrediting LeBron a little bit, but you know he probably had about. 10 to 14 points on Terry Rozier, who's right. six two. I know. Oh, that know, match they, here, switch, he they like switch and he just, it's like a kid he's absolutely. down I mean, there. Absolutely. And I mean, I give them all the credit for making that adjustment. It's kind of, kind of like when uh, Houston did the stuff Curry a yes. couple games yeah. ago. Yeah. So, um, when you got, when you're 6'8", 260, 70 pounds and somebody's 6'2", who's 185 yeah, pounds. Yeah, it's over. Yes, yeah, it's, it's over. So basically, that's the difference for me. Michael Jordan just made it look crazy. These kids today or the younger generation today, you're not going to get the aura that Michael Jordan brought mm-hmm. to the table. You two can't do it for no, you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And everybody has an argument who's better, LeBron or Michael Jordan. But what I tell people is this. Until I see anybody, and I'm not caring, counting Bo Jackson or Deion Sanders because those guys played baseball and football through college. I'm talking about somebody say, look, I'm just too good for this. I could come back when I want. I want oh, yeah. to try to play yeah. baseball. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because in my book, Michael Jordan has eight rings minimum. That's yeah. just my book because he took two years off, came back, won three chips right after winning three chips. And then that last year when the team broke up, they could have had that same team again. You know, they didn't want to pay Phil Jackson mm-hmm. and the team disassembled. So I say to me, Michael Jordan has eight rings. And so what I did want LeBron to do years ago is say, hey, man, take a year off and play football because I think <laughs> – Seriously, you know, you seen that pass he caught last night? Yeah, yeah. Love throw? No. I was it's saying unreal. that years ago. I said if this dude ever was a receiver, and when he was 27, 28 years old, how fast he is, how high he jumps, how tall he is, he, he would probably be one of the best receivers ever, even though basketball is his thing. But it's like 
I wanted to see him try that. Yeah. That is the funny thing about LeBron mm-hmm. is he's such an amazing athlete that we've never seen that mm-hmm. we always want him to play other sports just right. to show the athlete that he is. Right. He couldn't play football because after I'm, I'm, two I'm, games – they're going at his legs. Going for his legs. Because base, it's, it's basketball dream. Oh, it's all of our dream. He's <laughs> right. a tight end. He's a wide receiver. He'd right. be incredible. There's flag football where him and Kevin Durant during the lockout Yeah, played, remember that? And he right. was incredible. Yeah. Right. My thing about LeBron is, um, we've talked about this before, the evolution of his game. His 44 points last night, when he would do that younger, it was all layups. Yeah, it was all dunks right. down he the lane. He sealed the game with a three last night. Right. His shot away has gotten so much better. And I also look at his conditioning and his body. And it's it's really, I feel like I've watched the guy grow up. Right. Where younger, he was never out of shape. He was just LeBron. But now he's going 48 minutes, dropping 44 points, directing the team, catching those passes. I've just never seen a guy this. Not to mention he played all eighty-two games. Exactly right. And I feel like that was on purpose because I feel like in this era of the Spurs resting starters and LeBron not became a big thing last year. It became a huge thing. Right. And now I I feel like this was the year of him wanting to prove people wrong. I don't think so. What percentage chance? My thing is not to cut you up. Just to stay on this topic. Yeah, please. I think he didn't have a choice. It wasn't like they was in first place this year any time. Mm. Yeah, he realized, like, if yeah, I take 10 games off, we're going 0-10. Exactly. Right, so it wasn't, right. I don't really think he had a choice. I think that if they was in first place and had a four, five, six-game gap, yeah. I think he would have took some games off. But the team he had this no, year. No Kyrie yeah. to lean on. No, yeah, you're right. Yeah, so. Do right. you think he was working out and thinking about Kyrie? Do you think he was like pumping a little iron to be like that? I think he just thinks me. about number 23 in red. That's all I think. You he think thinks. that no one that exists currently, not Durant, not anybody, he is only looking at Jordan at this I, point? I think that's the only guy that's in front of him. I think that everybody else is in the rear view for me, unless we get into like the seven footer conversation. I, like I think, Shaq like, and Will. Will. This is a different person, I think, altogether. But. I think he, w- he used to have animosity for Golden State before Kevin Durant got there. Mm-hmm. And I think once Kevin Durant got there, he realizes just nothing you can no really do No one's going to get about. mad at him anymore right. for yeah, not you, beating yeah, them. Yeah, exactly. Right. There's nothing you can really do. First time they played Golden State, he took them six games with no Kyrie or no Kevin Love. None. They were both hurt. Should have right. been the MVP on a losing team. Right. Second season, they got the Matthew Dellavedova. Right. And who was the big galoot that got traded right. to the, the Lakers? Oh, uh, Varizia. Varizia. No. Oh, no, no, no. The other one that got the Mozgov? <laughs> yes, yeah. Timothy Mozgov. Right, right. 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 So, um, that was unreal. Unreal. Right. So I just think that um, he had his eye because, you know, the way he used to. When they play Golden State, he's real aggressive with Steph Curry. Definitely. Very, very aggressive. But I just think once Kevin Durant got there, he's like, what can you do? I need to admit something, too. I know that I think my Sixers are I hate team Golden State. I, it's the weirdest thing ever. I fucking hate them, man. And it's like I don't even dislike any of the guys in the team. Like right. I actually like them as people, people, and they're all super talented. But what do they stand for? I root against them in every game they play. Right. And I'm going to be rooting for Houston. We were talking about this yesterday. It's beautiful basketball, yes. but you hate all of it. I hate it. You I know, hate it. To be totally honest, my perception and my opinion, not perception, my opinion on the whole Golden State thing is yeah. Um, if if a GM did it, I don't think people would be as mad. I think so. You're right. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Because that the players are picking where they uh, want to go in their destiny, people are like, oh, you you're so and so. You're right. So. When Pat Riley assembled the Heat, they went, "Wow, what a job by right, Pat Riley!" Exactly. But with the, the Warriors, we go these selfish Fucking championship Kevin Durant, <laughs> yeah. chasing rings. Right, exactly. Right. So I just think that people, 
are more disappointed that the players are choosing where they want to go as opposed to uh as like a, a GM yeah, or something like a that. A GM doing it. If you look at if you look at Golden State and um it's everybody on Golden State except for Kevin Durant was drafted there. As yeah. far as the yeah. Draymond Green, as far as Steph Curry, Clay Thompson. Yeah. So it isn't like they did it through draft, free agency, they kept people around. You know, you got the Lakers, not necessarily the Lakers, you got people who team, I didn't mean to say the Lakers, people who changing their team around every year. Right. You know what I'm saying? This yep. is the, even though, and I'm agreeing with you, it's the highest of the high free agency going to Golden State. But everybody else is through draft picks. You know, I have this argument all the time about yeah. Golden State. It's like, oh, they're cheating and they got this person, they got that person. I'm like, Bro, they drafted these people. Yeah, no, you and can't be really mad at Golden State. You right. got to almost be mad at Kevin Durant right, exactly. and then just what it stands for in exactly. general. Exactly. It, also, it always makes me think of the Thunder, too, when they had Westbrook, Harden, and, and Durant. Gosh, damn. But you I think, think about that. I'm saying, but I don't think. And, and Serge Ibaka. What you got, and after this year, what you have is those three guys are all being league MVPs. But that wouldn't happen if they all stayed on the same. You're team. right. Harden, Westbrook, and Durant. Harden well, will likely win it this yeah, year. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Do you like watching year. Harden? I like watching Harden. I definitely think he's enjoyable this year, but I think he's going to have he's, him and Chris Paul. You think that's a walk? It feels like a walk to me. You know what I? Well, I just did the Harden step back. You, you know what I? When I was you the first think, time I saw it, I was like, I was get thinking the fuck out about of here. that this year about is that a walk? Yeah. But you do get two steps on a layup. Uh huh. So and I'm he's thinking, taking a gather. Yeah, he's yeah. taking two steps. So I was like, he's he is a high school basketball. You'd never get it, but no. NBA you can get rid of. He is an that. analytics dream. He shoots threes. He gets to the free throw line. But in terms of like entertainment, mm-hmm. I don't find him to be the most entertaining basketball player. Like it's actually a tough watch for me sometimes because it's twelve free throws and then just ninety dribbles. Like what was the stat they had last game? He dribbled more than all the five starters on Golden State. I think. See, I'm so, be totally honest with yeah. you. Black people like dribbling. <laughs> we love dribbling through the legs and everything and watching them make people fall. So it is a little bit enjoyable. So you think dribbling is a cultural thing? Let me tell you something. So then it's what are you saying? Street then ball. What are you saying about, about the street ball? I mean, what are you saying about Steph and Clay? I was just no, I'm fucking around. <laughs> Clay Thompson doesn't even dribble. Ever. Ever. Yeah, what do you have? 39, 30. 37 points, 70 points on 11 dribbles or something crazy. That's, right. un, that's unreal. It was crazy. I am truly one that thinks, and I'd like to hear both of your opinions, like I think 60 points, Kevin sorry. Durant is hurting himself big picture long run. Like I know he's going to have rings and he's going he's gonna to retire, but I think he's a little somewhat irrelevant in the best player in the NBA conversation, at least in my take. I hear people fighting for him. I, 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 he definitely deserves to be in it, but it's hard to fight for him when he misses 18 games and they go 18-0 without him. So you don't even know his value, and I think that's always going to kind of come back to bite him in the ass. I don't know what you guys think. I'd be interested to hear. You agree with that? Kevin Durant's my friend. I'm not saying anything bad. About yeah, that's what happened last time. He likes Kevin Durant. <laughs> I, 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 think <laughs> no, I do, too. I, it's just, I understand what you're saying, yeah, yeah. but it's just like my opinion is this. Um, as far as best players, two yeah. things. Yeah, he's never gonna have to sit at the table with Reggie Miller and John Stockton and Carl Malone and Charles Barkley and Patrick Ewing. And if he had to go to that farm, because you know it was a time when Gary Payton and Carl mm. Malone and somebody else went to the Lakers. Yep, and they didn't win. They right. all tried to get a championship. That was so depressing. Right, and then it wouldn't happen. Barkley went to Houston with yep. Clyde Drexler, mm-hmm. and this all happened after their prom. So it isn't like these 
big threes haven't been assembled before, even though this is almost like a big four that they have. It is. Um, in um, Golden State. So I'm, I'm just, it's just hard for me to go against it when if a GM put it together, it was cool. But as far as the best player, to me, when he went a best against, who's the best player for you, LeBron? Yeah. Kill LeBron last year. Yeah, yeah, he's a tough matchup yeah. for LeBron. Yeah. I mean, his jump shot is going to make him a tough matchup. He's right. one of the that, that would be always my argument with like right. even the, back to the Jordan conversation. Right. Michael Jordan played in an era that there was no Kevin Durant or LeBron James in the league, right. and there is something to that. Now I don't hold it against him; he still dominated his era. But, but um, we're but, seeing when freaky Kevin, yes, people in the Kevin league now more than ever. Spin, but the thing is, no one could stop it. The thing is, too, like I don't really think LeBron. Maybe LeBron. I don't think, and, I, and I'm like I said, I tell you, Kevin Durant's a good friend of mine, but I don't think that they that physicality back then. I know. Well, when we were growing yeah, up, Kevin, I mean, we would they, see Jordan get planted in the first yeah, row by the Knicks and the say, Pistons. Kevin Durant, Charles Barkley said the other night when um, Curry did a shimmy. They, that, he said a shimmy would never happen. No. Oh, you're you know, right. The you know enforcers, uh, Charles Oakley's of the world, and make sure you never did that shit right. again. So, so some of that, some of the shit that's going on now, as far as shimmy, you know, Kevin Durant hitting threes. I don't think they would allow him to play the way he's playing yeah. if the rules were different. So yeah. now let me ask you the reverse of that. What if Jordan was raised in AAU? With these rules, because the thing is, is it's like nature versus nurture. It's the human development. Right. LeBron was raised in the AAU culture with the game called this way. Jordan was raised in like we might not even hear of a guy from a certain part of North Carolina, and then we're going to beat the crap out of you with the bad boy Pistons. Right. So if Jordan was raised in the AAU now, would he still be Jordan? I think he'd be. be- it- I think he'd be better. If you ask me, I'm talking about if he started the same joint. Yeah, right. That's what I mean. I think he'd be, he'd be better. He would definitely be better because he get fouled every two seconds. He would, he have the physicality. Yeah, he'd be at the yeah, line or dunking line, on somebody. He'd be at the line a hundred million times right. per game. So I got a chance to interview Dennis Rodman last week, okay. and we hung out for like an hour. And that man has lived life. Holy shit! Broke his dick uh, three times. Yeah, he what? He broke his dick three times. How do you break? I don't know. So he he told me the story. He said that uh, somebody got very excited and it hit at. A hip bone, and it was blood. And Damn. I, yeah, I didn't. I didn't know it was going to get like that. That's too much. Okay. But I was talking to him. <laughs> I was talking to him about LeBron or Jordan, and he said that he has to go with Jordan because he's just never seen anybody attack at that level, and he's never seen LeBron attack at that level, mm-hmm. and that Jordan would find a way to 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 not only get around LeBron's athleticism, mm-hmm. but use it somehow to his advantage. Right. And he told the story of when Phil, si- when Phil Sims, Phil, Sims huh? Phil Jackson uh, brought him over to the house to try and convince him to leave the Spurs and come to the Bulls. And he said, you know, I really only have one thing that I need you to do, Dennis, and that's to go and apologize to Scott Pippen for when you threw him in the stands last year, it's bothering him. And Dennis went over to him and was like, I apologize, can we be on a team now? And they're like, let's fucking go. And it was just like Jordan and Pippen and Rodman. And to me, that was the squad. Like, I know Kukoc and all those guys, but Rodman I felt like had Jordan's intensity. And that's the thing when we compare Jordan LeBron, that's not quantifiable, it's not statistics, it's not measuring. Everyone just goes, LeBron had the fire. I mean, Jordan had the fire, and LeBron doesn't have that fire. Yeah. 
That's kind of what the difference there's is. A, there's definitely like. the killer instinct part or whatever it is. Jordan just in, when it was three minutes left in the game, there's just Jordan. You never doubted. You were like, well, he'll, they're down by ten. It's going to come down to the last shot, and Michael's going to have the ball. I mean, how that's many how like. many games does Warriors Rockets go? It's what is it two one Warriors two, one. right now? I think it's over. That's my assessment. It's over four one. Um, that game two kind of gave me um, little hope. Little hope for Houston. You know, they they look really good. I think, to be totally honest, Game 3, it looked like James Harden was at the club the night before. Yep. You looked a little sluggish. A bunch of open shots he could have made. He missed wide-open layups. Um, I don't think that's going to happen again. 40 points is definitely not going to happen again. Um, but I like Houston at home. I don't think they're going to win this next game. But if they don't, it's pretty much over. But if they still want to go to State, Houston has home court advantage again. And I kind of like them at home, but I'm just not going to go against Golden State. So are you going to say 4-1 or 2 yeah, I'm going to go 4-2 Warriors. Four okay, two so Warriors. maybe Rockets take uh, the next one, 4-2. And then what about Cavs-Celtics? That's the one right there, That's man. the one. That's the one. I think this Who can steal a game or will nobody steal a game? I think I think this is going to go 7. I Ooh, think, so I think go it's to gonna Boston. Go, I think this is going to go 7 in Boston. LeBron's I, had good moments and bad moments in Boston. And LeBron breaks everybody in Boston's heart. I, I, that's what I would say, too. So we get, for the third time in a row, Fourth. LeBron versus the Warriors? Fourth. Is it really? Fourth straight. His eighth straight he finals? He lost one, he won two, he lost three, and here's four. And that's another wow, thing, Wow, this, this is like the Rocky It's another series. thing, too. It's almost like... You know they're definitely not winning in the championship. What? So. I just thought, I mean, well, yeah, what would is that there going to be a game that's going to be competitive? That's yeah. what I'm worried right. about. Yeah. Is that 4-0? Or three-three-one. If if they go, if Golden State beats Cleveland again, it'd be three game three championship. No, no, no. I mean, I mean more if oh. Cleveland plays Golden State, it's going to oh. be a sweep. I'm going to go 4 1. I'm going with 4 1. Because you're going to give LeBron LeBron's going to win game right. 3 15, at home. 15, 15 right. game. Yeah, right. where he like right. shoots rocket boosters. I really his ass. think, and then not only that, I think Kevin Durant really steps up when it comes to LeBron. So I think yeah. that's going to kind of neutralize LeBron. Yeah. Uh-huh. And that's my thing about Kevin Durant. If Kevin Durant went to the Warriors and wasn't the best player on the team, I'd understand your argument. Yeah. But he's the best player on that team, too. I know he's the best player. I'm not even arguing that. I'm you just need to saying. get back to your Draymond Green argument because that's the good shit. <laughs> We'll get to that. Cameron is the man. Uh, what was the name of the website? Um, I don't know the name of the website, but if you Google. Google. Dipset Forever Tour. Find out where you could go see us on tour next month. Dipset? And do we know the name of the movie yet? It's called Is It a Crime? Damn. Is it a crime? I, I want to get all of the Sims and Lefko fans to support Is It a Crime? Me too. So when that comes out. Mm-hmm. I'm a, I'll come back. Fuck yes. Yeah, You're right. our NBA yeah. lead analyst. Yeah, you have to come. We have you under contract. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What we'll do is after this series, if, if I'm invited, I'm telling my, I'm telling myself when I'm coming no, back. No, no, no. You're always invited. <laughs> you don't understand. Next time, though, we're going to be more prepared. So <laughs> yes. I appreciate it. But, um, yeah, let's let's come back before the championship starts. Okay, good. I have good. some better dates for you guys. All awesome. right. Sounds Cameron, good. Thanks, brother. Thank you. You're getting the most out of being at a game with American Express. The card member entrance, the lounge, and out tip-off. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. When you're an American Express Platinum card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, Shoot that! Shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... 
Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply.